mother's funeral. Please give our condolences to the rest of the family who are not here today. Exodus chapter 15. Let's look at verse number 22. Starting with verse number 22. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. Then they went into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. Mara means bitter. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when he cast the tree into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there God tested them and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, if you do what is right in his sight, if you give ear to his commandments, and if you keep all of his statutes, then I will put none of these diseases on you, which I have brought on the Egyptians. Look closely. For I am Jehovah Rophe. I am the Lord who heals you. Father, we thank you for your word. Already it is doing something. Already it is being activated. Already there are sparks. Hallelujah. I pray, God, that what you have sent your word to do, it would be done. What you want your word to accomplish today, God, let that be accomplished. Let every heart be open. Let every ear be attentive, God. And we give you thanks and we give you praise that not only are you the God that saves, you are the God that delivers. You are the God that heals all of our diseases. And I pray, God, that we we would encounter you today, we would meet with you today, and we would leave out of here healthy and whole according to your word, and we give you thanks for it as we pray it in Jesus' name. If you want to be changed and transformed and healed today, come on and say amen. amen. You're about to be healed today. Things are about to change today. Be careful. Be on your guard. You're not leaving out of here the same way you came in. The healer is in this house. Jehovah Rophe has showed up today. Yes. Has anybody ever had trouble trying to decipher a doctor's note? Why do they learn how to write like this? I'm just telling you. They say a doctor's penmanship is one of the worst to try to read or decipher. I think pharmacists must have to go to special schooling in order to understand it. Nurses must be uh, especially equipped and trained in order to read it. The doctor just writes down, scribbles down, really, what's in his head and leaves it for everybody else to figure out. I found some actual doctor comments on hospital forms that I thought I'd share with you today. Here's one. I saw your patient today who is still under our car for physical therapy. That's a little sloppy. 
Here's another. Patient has chest pain if she lies on her side for over a year. <laughs> Punctuation would help there, I guess. On the second day, the knee was better. On the third day, it disappeared. <laughs> wow. The patient is tearful and crying constantly. She also appears to be depressed. Here's one I like. The patient has been depressed since she began seeing me in 1993. <laughs> Discharge status, alive, but without my permission. You'll like this one. Healthy appearing, decrepit 69-year-old male. I just like the description, first of all. Healthy appearing, decrepit 69-year-old male, mentally alert but forgetful. I, I think, if I remember right, I don't know. Here's one. The patient refused autopsy. I don't know why. The patient has no previous history of suicides. Patient had waffles for breakfast and anorexia for lunch. Oh, I love this one. She is numb from her toes down. <laughs> There's a lot of numbness right there, isn't there? While in ER, she was examined, X-rated, and sent home. Poor thing. The skin was moist and dry. Occasional, constant, infrequent headaches. Patient was alert and unresponsive. Oh, here's a good one. Rectal exam revealed a normal-sized thyroid. Now, there's some rectal exam. <laughs> she stated that she had been constipated for most of her life until she got a divorce. Don't read into that. I'm telling you, these are actual comments from doctors on hospital forms. Uh, let me give you one more. I like this one, Karen. Patient has two teenage children, but no other abnormalities. <laughs> these are actual doctor scribbled down comments on hospital forms. But let's just be honest today. We all need the care and assistance from doctors. I want to state for the record that I am very thankful for doctors today. I am thankful for modern technology. I'm thankful for modern medicines. I'm thankful for the drugs that have been discovered and improved upon. I, from time to time, will, are you ready for this? I will take an ibuprofen from time to time if I need it. I know. You see, I believe in prayer. I believe in healing from God, but I also believe that God has blessed certain individuals and certain medicines and certain herbs and, and, and certain people to also help with the healing process. I want to state for the record, I am not of the mindset that once we find Christ and once we decide to follow Christ, that then we should not go to doctors, we should not participate in any drugs or any medicines that have been proven to help in sickness. Luke was a physician, everybody. Do you know that? And I believe that doctors can bring some bit of cure to us and some healing 
And so I thank God for doctors and medicine today. Do I have anybody with me so far? We'll all need the care and assistance of a physician, nurses and technicians, but let's be honest, there's a limit to what they can do. After the fall of man, disease came to all of us. Everyone gets sick, all from time to time will experience pain. Doctors are limited in their ability and they can only do so much. But there is one who goes above and beyond the doctor's ability. I want somebody to understand today that we have a God that is able to heal all of our diseases. Our God is a healing God. And aren't you thankful that God heals all diseases? How many would raise your hand today and tell me by testimony that God has healed you in times past? Look around this room and look at the testimonies of God's healing power. God is still the God that heals. Today he introduces him to us, to, he, he introduces himself to us as Jehovah Rophe. Say Jehovah Rophe. Jehovah Rophe is the God who heals. Jehovah Rophe appears more than 60 times in the Old Testament. Jot down a few things. I believe it will help you. Take note. I've left room on the back of the brochure today, on the back of the bulletin, excuse me, today. Borrow paper and pen from someone. I want you to jot down a few things that I believe will help you in meeting Jehovah Rophe and receiving your healing. Jehovah Rophe appears more than 60 times in the Old Testament. It means to restore, to heal, of course, or to cure, restore, heal, or cure. This refers to three types of healing, physical healing, emotional healing, and thank God, spiritual healing. I think the latter two are more devastating at times. If you've ever needed emotional healing, if you've ever needed spiritual healing, it's far more devastating than the physical. But I just thank God that he'll heal all of it. He'll heal our physical bodies. He'll heal our hurt emotions. He'll heal the spiritual damage that has been done. Somebody's about to be healed in this room. Somebody's about to have healing occur in their life today. Just as Abraham traveled a certain path to meet Jehovah Jireh, how many were here when we, when we spoke on Jeho Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides? There was a certain path that he must travel in order to meet Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. So too, Moses and the children of Israel traveled a certain path in order to meet Jehovah Rophe, the God that heals. So I want us today to retrace their steps, if you will. We're going to retrace the steps in the journey from Moses and the children of Israel meeting Jehovah Rophe, the God that heals. And in retracing their steps, I'm also going to take a few pit stops. Find these certain places on the way to meet 
Jehovah Rophe. Pit stop number one, it's a place of deliverance. You see, in order to properly understand what God is saying, what the people are saying, what Moses is saying, I think it's proper to back up a little bit, to put this in its proper context. What is really being said here? The first place that we're stopping in retracing their steps is this place of deliverance. It says that then they crossed over the Red Sea. Israel had just come through one of the greatest miracles they would ever experience, the crossing of the Red Sea. How many remember this from Sunday school days? If you need a refresher, I'll allow you this afternoon, I'll encourage you this afternoon, reread chapter 14. Watch what God did for them. It will bolster your faith today because the God that parted the Red Sea then is the same God today and He's able to part the Red Sea in your life. He's able to move and part the obstacles in our way today. Hallelujah. They had just come through one of the greatest deliverances ever. The parting of the Red Sea. What were they delivered from? Somebody talk to me today. They were delivered from Egypt. What does Egypt say to you? What does Egypt suggest to you? They were delivered from slavery. They were delivered from bondage. They were delivered from oppression. They were delivered and set free from their enemy. Look at chapter 14 with me. Not only were they delivered from the enemy, look what God did to the enemy. Then the Lord said, verse 26, the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots, on their horses, on their horsemen. And so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and when the morning appeared, oh, I don't have time to really pull out what I'd like to pull out right there, but does anybody know what comes in the morning? Hallelujah. The Bible says joy comes in the morning. It may get dark at night. It may have an enemy on your tail at night, but just hang on till the morning because in the morning the, the delivery comes. In the morning the, the freedom comes. In the morning the joy comes. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and, and, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the middle of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots, covered the horses, covered the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh. Somebody say all the army. Hallelujah. All of the enemy, all of the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them so that not so much as one of them remained, not so much as one of them was living after God was done doing what only God could do. God delivered his children. God delivered his, his leader, Moses, and I want somebody to hear this today. God still delivers his people. He still is able to deliver you today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to everybody. But God is faithful, hallelujah, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you will be able to stand up under it and bear up under it, hallelujah. 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children. You have overcome them because he who is in you is 
greater than he that's in the world. Aren't you thankful today that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? Oh, and I've got to read one more. It's Romans 8, 37, 38, and 39. Yet in all these things, come on somebody and say all these things. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to give somebody an opportunity to stand up on your feet and take about 20 seconds if you're thankful today that God still delivers. Come on, somebody, get up on your feet and give God praise for just about 20 seconds if you're thankful today that he's able to make a way where there seems to be no way. He's able to part the Red Sea in your life. He's able to deliver us. He's able to destroy the enemy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, you can take your seat. Our God still delivers. He's still able to bring us out of our bondage. He's still able to destroy the enemy. Let me encourage you, when he delivers you, don't forget to thank him. Don't forget to praise him. Don't forget to sing your song to him. Moses said, oh, I can't be silent. And he began to sing a song. Moses sang his song 15 and 1. I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. And just so he wasn't out there all by himself, Moses' sister come alongside of it. Y'all remember Miriam? She gathered up a group of ladies that didn't care what anybody else thought. And they started dancing. And they grabbed the tambourines. And in verse number 21, she said, I will praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and the rider has been thrown into the sea hallelujah hallelujah some people never dance before God some people they're they're too worried Rose some people are too worried about what somebody's going to think about what somebody's going to say they will never get out and say I don't care what anybody thinks God has set me free God has delivered me hallelujah and I'm going to bless him I'm going to praise him hallelujah My kids will never forgive me. Are you willing? Hey, let me just talk to you for a minute. This is way off my notes, but I feel God in it. Are you willing to make a fool of yourself just because of God, because what God has done for you? Don't worry about what other people think. Don't worry about what other people say. God's been good to us, buddy. God's done so much for us. Hallelujah. Little Gangnam style. Uh. (laughs) Ernie, please come back. Elizabeth, please give me another chance. Andy, folks, we got some visitors here. They already made up their mind. That's all right. Let's go to another spot. We're going to take another pit stop here. Place of deliverance. You know, the next stop they stopped at is a place of dryness. And it only took three days from the mountaintop to get there. 
It says, look, 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 verse 22, Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went out into the wilderness. Come on, somebody, say wilderness. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. You may be just three days away from your most explosive miracle to the lowest point you'll ever have spiritually. That's how it goes. You know, when we did camps, the camp circuit, it seemed like we'd have a, say, Thursday night, just a powerful outpouring and explosion. People, young people getting saved and delivered and, and speaking in tongues and, and, oh my goodness, called into ministry. And wouldn't you know that was the night that they got fooling around with one another back behind the snack shack and got themselves in trouble because all the emotions opened up, see? It's hard to kind of compartmentalize some of that. You come from the mountaintop and you see God do the greatest thing you've ever seen him do. Just be on guard and be faithful because you may be just three-day journey from a dry spot. Went three days out into the, out into the wilderness and they, they found no water. I need a drink of water. You all know my stance on drinking. I don't have to say that. This tastes so good. You know, they say we should just drink more water. If we would drink more water, we would actually be healthier. If you're a soda drinker, let go of some of it at least and substitute it with water, okay? If, if you can, let go of some of your coffee and substitute it with water. I say if you can because I'm not quite there yet. So the preacher needs to be preached to right here. But honestly, if we would just drink more water, statistics tell us. There's just proof in it. It's, it's healthy. It's good for you. It's, it's, it's refreshing. It, it cleanses. Now, we're made to actually need water and depend on water. And if you don't go, with, if you go without water for very long, you, you can't live. You will die. Your body starts breaking down and deteriorating. You start dehydrating. But you know what actually starts breaking down first? Before your physical body? Your hair. <laughs> Mitch, that is not fair. You stole Joanne's joke from the first service. Not your hair, your mind. I'm laying hands on you in a little bit. Your mind. Your mind starts, well, we, we say it like this. Your mind starts playing tricks on you. It's so much bigger than that. Your mind starts deceiving you. Your mind starts lying to you. And you get to a place of absolute desperation. That's where they are. They went from deliverance to dryness in three short days. No water, which meant 
no hope. Let me interject this. God doesn't deliver us so that we can then live independently from Him. God delivers us to be a constant reminder of what He did that I couldn't do. God delivers us to remind us of what He did that nobody else could do. Not so we could be, well, I'm free now. I'm delivered now. I'm not, I'm not hooked on alcohol or drugs or tobacco or, or prescription drugs or anything else. I'm free. And so then we, we get a little bit heady. We get a little bit full of ourselves. And we think somehow maybe we had a, a, a part to play in that. We start, we start crediting the doctors more than God. We start talking about how our family helped us through. When you know I'm telling the truth today, there's some things that only God could set us free from. There's some things that only God could deliver us from. God has delivered you so you not would live independently from him, but that you would always be reminded that God did something that nobody else could do. Dry places come. Know it. Write it down. Be fully aware. Dry places come. I, I think there's three reasons, though, Pete, that dry places come. First of all, a dry place comes to create a thirst in us. But it's not the thirst for the worldly water that God really wants to create in us. God's trying to create a thirst for us for living water. And once we taste of this living water, nothing else will satisfy he told the woman at the, Jesus told the woman at the well, if you will drink of this water, you will never thirst again. She said, give me some of that water. Where do I find that kind of water? What well have you been drawing from? I want that water. How many have tasted the living water and you know exactly what Jesus was talking about? You've tasted and you know you have been satisfied and nothing else will satisfy you. That's why the dry place has come in our life, to create that thirst again. God, I need you. I need you. Lord, I'm so dry. I read your word and yet it just, nothing happens. I, I pray and it seems like you're not there. It's like it's bouncing all around the room. Have you ever been there? I've been there. What do you do in the dry place? What do you do in the dry times, the dry seasons of life? They come to create a thirst in us. Secondly, they come to test us. If you'll look at the very last portion of verse number 25 of chapter 15, it says, he tested them. I'm amazed, Pastor Moses, over the last six sermons or so that I've preached Sunday and Wednesday, how God has been telling us, I'm testing. I'm testing. Jesus tested Philip in feeding the 5,000, John chapter 6. God tested Abraham when he was taking, asked him to take him up to the mountain and sacrifice Isaac. That's Genesis chapter 22. God is testing his people here in Exodus 15. God's going to test you. We will be tested. Will we pass the test, I guess is the question, because the test is going to come. The third reason the dry place has come is to draw us to God, to draw us to God and not from God. When the problems come, know that it's a test. And God brings the test to bring out 
our best. God will bring the test to bring out your best. Draw to God when the testing comes. Draw to God when the dry places come. Unfortunately, that's not what happened with God's people here in Exodus 15. What did God's people do? They mumbled and grumbled, murmured and complained. Verse 24. The people complained. Now I find it interesting who they complained against. Scripture says that they complained against Moses. They complained against the leadership. I shouldn't be too surprised because we see it actually throughout Scripture and we see it throughout church history. God's people complaining against God's leaders. They grumbled and complained. They had just witnessed God's mighty power. God parting the Red Sea. Never mind, I don't have the time to go in the ten plagues that they'd also witnessed. Time doesn't allow for all that. They've seen God do the miraculous. How quickly we go from miracle to murmuring. How quickly we go from greatness to griping, from growing to groaning. And I suppose we're all guilty. The dry place will reveal what's really on the inside. The dry place exposes the heart. It exposes the condition of the heart. I have a saying that I will say to my family from time to time, to my kids especially. <laughs> what is it, Butler? Right? Come on, Elliot. I'm going to say it. I tell him. When you squeeze the grape, the real juice comes out. You can tweet that out if you like. <laughs> How many tweet, by the way? Any Twitter fans in here? I bet you're all about 30 years or under. Twitter? Nobody? Okay. Young, young, young. Up here? Jim, good for you. <laughs> when you squeeze the grape, the real juice comes out. A grape can't say, uh, I, I, want, I want apple juice to come out. I want prune juice to come out. Uh, whatever's in is going to come out. Squeeze the grape and the real juice comes out. You see, God may take us to the desert to put the squeeze on us. Oswald Chambers wrote, God has to squeeze us if we are ever going to become wine because you can't drink grapes. Yet if we are hard, sometimes we shoot off like a hard marble. Wow. I wonder how many times God's tried to squeeze me and I've hardened myself. I wonder how many times the world has squeezed me or a circumstance has squeezed me and bitterness came out. Sour grapes came out. The desert comes to soften us and make us useful to God. Grumblers beware. 
Somebody say, grumblers beware. It needs to be said actually more from the body than from the leadership. Although I'm asking my board, I'm asking the pastors, I'm asking key leaders across the church to stand with me and fight for unity. Grumblers beware. Grumblers are more concerned with what they want rather than what God wants. They talk in secret. They attack and tear down the leadership. They rebel against the leadership, and when they rebel against the leadership, they're really rebelling against God who appointed and anointed the leadership. Somebody help me today. Now listen, in saying what I say today, there is always room for improvement. There's always room for discussion. There's always room for uh, disagreement. Sometimes we have to agree to disagree. But at the end of it, we are agreeable. So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm just saying we have to fight to preserve the harmony and the unity that is here and that God wants to remain here. How many are with me? A grumbling spirit is a sign of a discontented and carnal life. A worldly way, not a godly way. It's a lack of trust. It suggests that God doesn't know what he's, what he's doing because God's man doesn't know what he's doing. A grumbling spirit brings division. A grumbling spirit brings distraction. La Palma Christian Center, look at me for a moment. Refuse to be part of the grumbling crowd. When others see problems, show them solutions. When others tear down, I wish somebody would build up. When others see giant problems, show them giant victories. Hallelujah. You remember David went out to see to meet Goliath? Everybody else saw a giant problem, but J David saw a giant God and saw a giant victory. When Joshua and Caleb went out to spy the promised land, ten spies saw giant problems. Joshua and Caleb saw giant produce, giant possibilities, giant potential, and giant promises ready to be fulfilled because they saw a giant God. Refuse to be a part of the grumbling and the murmuring crowd and be a part of preserving and fighting for the unity here. Pit stop number three. The place of dryness led them to a place of disappointment. Look at this scripture. Verse 23. Now, when they came to Mara, they couldn't drink the water there because it was bitter. And so they named that place Mara. Can you imagine? Three days. Three days in the wilderness. Three days without water. And listen, I think any of us, I think all of us, would have probably been irritable. We probably all would have complained a little bit because you're hot and you're thirsty and your mind's now playing 
games on you, tricks on you. So just, there's a bad atmosphere in the camp. Finally, somebody, Linda, though, they say, wait a minute, y'all. I see something over here. I think I see water. And things turn. There's an excitement now. Wow, there's water. And somebody runs to it. Maybe all of them run to it. I don't know. But they find water finally. But they get up on this well. And wouldn't you know, it's undrinkable. They find a place of water. They find a well, and they can't drink it. That's almost cruel. Right? I mean, I'm already hot here, God. I'm already dry. I'm already thirsty. I'm already irritated. And now I find water and we can't even drink it. Disappointed. Have you ever been disappointed? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask it. Have you ever even been disappointed with God? Wow. If you... If you say yes in your heart, I, I will say this, you're not alone. There are many, many that have been disappointed and they aim that disappointment at God. God, why'd you let me down? You know, we talk about him being almighty and all-powerful and able to do everything, able to do anything, but yet some things he didn't prevent. Pete, you've got, you've got diabetes. But God can heal diabetes and even prevent it from coming on you, right? And he's not the only one. Richard, you've got diabetes in the family here. Paige is going to uh, Africa in, in just a little while. How much money do you need, honey? I wonder if we could raise $500 right now. I'm talking about right now. Karen and I will give the first 50. How much you want to give? Okay, we just gave 250 of it. We need to raise 250 more. We'll do it right now. How much you want to give? Hundred dollars. There's 350 of it. How much you gonna give? Hundred dollars. What are we up to? 450. I need 50 more dollars. Pastor Dave, you give the 50 more. You're done, honey. Your budget is raised. Oh, come on, somebody, and give God praise in this place. Your budget is raised. Stand up real quick. Come on, stretch your hand. Stand up. Stand up, Paige. Stretch your hand over there. God, we thank you that you are the one who supplies for our needs. And I pray, Lord, that as she journeys to a foreign place, to a foreign land, to people she's never known, I thank you that already, God, you are preparing the steps. Already, God, you're preparing the words. Already, Lord, you're putting love in her arms, God. And I pray that you would use her. Let a new anointing come on her, God. And let this be the first step in the rest of her life and the destiny that you have for her. In Jesus' mighty name. Now, I'm counting on everybody that joined me here, Karen and I. Let's take care of this today, if at all possible. I want to I seal that up. So they get to the water. Disappointment. It happens, folks. It happens. I have been disappointed. I thought I knew what God was going to do. And it didn't turn out like I thought. What do we do when we get to that place of disappointment? Do we drink the water anyway? 
Because some people say, well, it's still water. You know, people get out on a boat and they get stranded. And they're surrounded by water, the very thing they need. But this says the water was brackish, Sandy. Brackish, uh, undrinkable. It's either, it's either super salty or it might have even been poison. Either way, you, you're, not, you're not to drink it. If you drink salty water, it just expedites the dehydration and you're going to die sooner. That's all. But some people get out of their mind and they don't care. I'm so dry, I'm so discouraged, I'm so disappointed, I'm going to drink it anyway. And it just fuels the bitterness. The bitterness takes over is what happens. Three days without water, they finally find the water. It's bitter, it's brackish, undrinkable. The desert of dryness had led them to a well of disappointment. Here is the test that is mentioned in verse 25. Because somebody could have said, How, re remember everybody, we just saw God part the Red Sea for us. Somebody could have pointed him even further back and said, remember all the plagues, how God set us free from slavery and oppression and bondage. Somebody could have stood for what is right. Somebody could have said, now don't blame it on Moses. He's just trying to do what God tells him to do. But they all began to complain against the leadership. They all drank the bitter water. Instead, they grumbled, they complained, they failed the test. Don't fail the test, church. When things don't go like you want, don't drink the bitter water. When you're disappointed, don't drink the bitter water. Think of it like this. Your disappointment may be God's appointment. Oh, I wish somebody would have caught on to that right there. Yeah, 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 watch, watch. Your disappointment, you land at this place and you're like all frustrated. God said, I had that written on my calendar as my appointment, actually. I don't know what you're talking about. Matt, my disappointment might be God's appointment. It happens so often. God's doing something he didn't let us know about. God's got something else up his sleeve that he didn't tell us about. Our response in the desert of dryness... Our response at the well of disappointment reveals what is in our heart. We humble or we grumble. We trust or we fuss. You see, God is trying to get us to this final place. Number four, it's the place of dependence. So what happens here, church? The people complain to Moses and Moses fires right back at him, doesn't he? Just tells him what, what he thinks. Puts him back in the place. And they start arguing with one another. Isn't that what happens? Yeah. No. Look again. Verse 25. The people complained against Moses. And Moses started talking to God. Ah. Boy, there's a lesson right there. There's a whole good Sunday school lesson right there. There's a whole good life group lesson right there. When people start complaining to you about leadership or about anything, why don't you just talk to God and tell them to talk to God? Point it to God. Take it to God. The people complained to Moses. Moses cried out to the Lord. Verse number 25. Bring it up again for me. And the Lord showed him a plan. Can you imagine with me God actually had a plan already in place? Yes. 
He's just waiting for Moses to ask him, what's, what's up? What's going on? What do you want me to do? What's your plan? God showed him a plan. God showed him a tree. And when Moses cast the tree into the waters, look what happened. The waters became sweet. <laughs> all the bitterness was gone. All the brackish was gone. All the saltiness, all the poison was taken out of it when Moses obeyed the Lord's command and when the tree was cast into the water. Wow. Dryness and disappointment are signs that we need to depend more on God. Not on our own plan. On God's plan. Moses prayed to God. God answered him. And God showed him his plan. The tree made the bitter water sweet. The cross makes the bitter heart sweet. There's still a tree that I could talk to you of today. It's an old rugged cross. And the old rugged cross, Dan, it still makes the difference. In the bitter hearts and in the bitter lives, in the bitter minds, hallelujah, cast that cross into the bitterness and watch how your heart will become sweet. Watch how your life will become sweet again. Pastor Moses, would you bring the team back up on the stage? And I want to bring this to a close. Come on, choir, singers, band. It's a little reverse order today, folks. We're still going to worship. We're still going to pray, but I felt an urgency to get the word to you right now. You may be asking, Pastor Steve, what does this have to do with meeting Jehovah Rophe, the God that heals? I found it interesting that the place in Scripture where God introduced himself as Jehovah Rophe, no one was healed. You look at it. You see it for yourself. He introduces himself as the God that heals, yet no one is physically healed. Is that curious? It begs the question, what is God trying to say? What is God trying to tell us? Verse 26, I want you to look closely before we go into worship and prayer. Verse 26, God said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, if you do what is right in His sight, if you give ear to His commands, if you keep all of His statutes, then... God says, I will put none of the diseases on, which, uh, on you which I brought on to the Egyptians, for I am Jehovah Rophe, I am the God that heals you. I believe on that day, God healed the bitter waters, but I believe he healed the bitter hearts. God let them know that he was able to, to heal their physical bodies. And he even says he's able to prevent disease from even coming upon them. Wow. Come on, somebody say wow. That was a wow moment for me. I wrote it down. Wow. To think that God would, would even keep at bay physical ailment and disease. Oh, I'm going to say it one more time. Wow. We want to rush to the place of God healing us. We know that God heals. Amen. 
We believe it here at La Palma Christian Center, no doubt about it. We pray for healing every week here, and we see God heal. I do believe that God is a healing God, no question. But before he introduced himself as the God that heals, there were conditions. You need to, you definitely need to write these down. I know many of you put down your pens and things. Jot these down. This is maybe the most critical part of, of, our, of our sermon here. Four conditions. Four conditions. Number one, diligently. That sounds like a work word if I ever heard one. Right, Gary? Diligently heed, follow, listen, heed the voice of the Lord your God. There's condition number one. Number two, do what is right in his sight. Sounds so basic, but how many times we miss it? And we end up doing what is wrong and what is right in our own sight. Condition number two. Now, condition number three, give ear to his commandments. This has to be priority, folks. Reading the word, hearing the word, obeying the word, doing the word. Give ear to his commandments. And then it's not enough that we listen. Floyd, we've got to obey. Condition number four, keep his statutes. Keep his word. Follow his word. Obey his word. When you set it like this, it takes on a little different meaning, I suppose. Yes, God heals. But are we doing our part? God will always do his part. Hear that. God will always do his part. But are you doing your part? Am I doing my part? Church, are we doing our part? Because the conditions still apply. Could it be that I'm the one hindering God's healing for my life? Could it be that you are the one that is keeping God's healing pending? Wrong heart, wrong motive, wandering in the desert of dryness, drinking from the well of bitterness, grumbling and complaining against the leadership that God has put in place. Jehovah Rophe is here, and he still heals. As Pastor Moses and this music department leads us in worship, I want you to worship, but I want you to examine your heart and prepare your heart for God's healing. Everyone standing. Let's worship today. Thank you, Jesus. 